How we doing? How we feeling? Got some good, maybe traumatic church memories in there. Is anyone in Awanas? Does anyone remember Awanas? Yes, oh, and the stand-up. Yes, a very avid member. Awanas was wild. Okay, that's not where we're going this morning. Um, we're going to start, we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about church, about legacy, uh, about community, um, about justice, about action, and I'm really excited. So here we go. We're going to start off in the book of Acts. So here's some context. Um, Great. Yeah, a lot of context while I'm getting this. Uh, so here's the context of the Acts. So Peter um, and John, so they had this uh, moment. They're all together, and then they heal someone um, on the street. And then the religious leaders and some other people were, like, very not happy about that, took them into custody, were yelling at them. And then they were like, it's Jesus is why we do what we do. We believe in the death and resurrection, and so we have this power, and we're going to use it. And they weren't happy about that, and then here we are. Um, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the not the amen, uh, the kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, uh, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay. Uh, this is a passage that has been familiar to me at different times in my life uh, that I've heard kind of a lot and that I have experienced recently in a different way. Um, in reading this and, and thinking about this, one of the things that unlocked uh, sort of a, a, a new idea about it or a deeper understanding was actually listening to Corey and William argue about politics, um, which if you're in the room with Corey and William for longer than like 30 minutes at some point, um, they start arguing about politics. Does anyone have friends like that? It's like at the end of every staff meeting, we're like, okay, sounds good. And then one comment. Yes, it was a lively debate. It was good. But there's all these questions, right? Because there's a lot of things going on in the world, and you're like, what are we going to do? What is the answer, right? If you're looking around anywhere, you're like, what is the answer? And not that I have the answer, but one thing that I do know and that uh, I feel excited about is that this experience has existed since this moment, before this moment, and today. The moment of ordinary people saying, we so deeply believe in the story and resurrection of Jesus that that is accessible to all of us and that healing is something that will come naturally out of that has always been met with resistance by religious leaders and powerful people to say, actually, you can't do that. And so sometimes when I think about church, I think about the powerful religious leaders telling me I can't do something. I don't think about the hundreds and thousands of people that came before me that said, actually, I believe so much in the story and resurrection of Jesus that I do believe that. And sometimes, if you're like me and you grew up like me, this idea of church and community has been 
on the side of the powerful and not on the side of all the people who spoke against it because they believe so deeply in a Jesus and in the story and in freedom and in resurrection and justice and truth and healing. And so this morning, I want to talk about those people. I want to talk about those stories. I want to remind us of the legacy ahead of us, of the people who have said, yes, there are powerful churches and political leaders who want to weaponize this book and its words, and there have always been people who believe that its truth and its words and the way of Jesus leads to more freedom and more healing. And so the reason that we didn't have music up top this morning is because you can't talk about the church and its connections to justice and healing in the world without music. The two have gone hand in hand, as I was thinking about this, I'm reminded of one of the most powerful shifts in history in our country, the American Civil Rights Movement. That was words, that was people who believed things, it was leaders, and it was music. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to remember those stories, we're going to connect to those legacy, because that still means something for us today. Why we are all in this room right now should mean something to us. It should be connected to something greater than ourselves, and we should feel inspired that we have the ability to change the things in the world that are not working, that are not bringing healing, that are not bringing justice, that are not reflective of the Jesus that we know and understand and love and believe. So what we're going to do uh, this morning uh, is we're going to be reminded of those. We're going to talk about uh, some leaders from the civil rights movement, some stories. We're going to sing some of the songs. We're going to experience what that might have felt like to believe so deeply that politically, although things looked unreasonable, that things did not look hopeful, that there is no signs pointing to healing and justice and freedom, that because we believe in a Jesus who teaches something else, ordinary people have the power to make change. I was reminded that some of the first abolitionists in our history. Do you know why they were against the transatlantic slave trade? Because of their belief in Jesus. So yes, there's a long legacy of powerful people misusing this thing, but there is an even longer legacy of people who every step of the way have stood up and said no. And every single one of those movements and moments had people, ordinary people, who just believed that resurrection was something that was available to all people, that healing was available to all people, and they gathered and they sang about it, and then they did something about it. So we're going to do something similar this morning.
That song, if you don't know, that song was originally written by Marvin Gaye. In a time looking around and saying, okay, things are not working, things are not looking hopefully, but I remember these stories of this person uh, named Jesus. So what was the role of, of the church in this movement? It's so inspiring to me, it's so fascinating to me because their belief in something bigger, their belief in Jesus and following in this idea that these ordinary people could have this extraordinary connection to God and that that could change the world, it made them so wildly uh, invested in their community. So how many of y'all have heard of the Montgomery bus boycott, right? Claudette Colvin refused to move her seat on the bus, then Rosa Parks, and there was a boycott. It lasted 13 months, okay, 13 months over a year. And do you know who helped the boycott move? It was churches, that local churches in Montgomery started taxi services, that they asked all the members, who are members who have cars? Are you willing to give your cars to the church so that we can create a taxi service so that people can get to work, get to the store, get to the doctor, and don't have to use the bus because we're boycotting the bus because the system is not even well, this system is unjust, and in order to fight this unjust system, because of the belief that we have in Jesus, we need to get engaged in our community, and we need to take action. That was what the church did. The church was the meeting place of the movement. The church was a place where everything started in the movement. The church was where you went if someone was in town. The church is where you went if you want to know what was going on. The church is where you went, period. So, yes, during that time, you had a lot of churches who were also saying the other things. But what I'm trying to say is there is a legacy of people, and they have used church as a way to change the world, to change the world around them. Uh, so um, Martin Luther King Jr., his last speech that he gave uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, before he was assassinated, was in a church. And... That speech, some of you are probably familiar with it because he talks about uh, how he's seen the mountaintop. And I may not get there with you, but I'm going to make it. And it's this incredible speech. But if you go back and you listen to the entirety of the speech, the first 10 minutes are talking about the social action that they're taking. They're boycotting Coca-Cola. They're doing all these things in the neighborhood. They're taking these direct action steps. And then he goes on to give this sermon because the church is where it howls political and social action. And I'm saying all this right now because I feel very hopeless today. I don't feel like, oh, I'm looking around and there's a clear answer. Listen, I'm going to vote. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do all the things. But no, I don't trust these people. But what I do believe, when I look back and I say, what is the framework? What is the history? What is, how did we get through? This is how we got through. Rooms like this. Rooms like this, not just coming in and sitting in the seats. Rooms like this saying, I care so much about this story of Jesus and I believe so much in the dignity of every single human being that I'm going to let that push me to action. That we're organizing taxi services and we're boycotting Coca-Cola together because of, and we're organizing marches and when people come into town and we want to hear from them, we go to the church. So, um... Have you all seen uh, or heard about the, the march from Selma to Montgomery? It was the march for voting rights, right? Someone made a movie about it. I don't remember who, but it was good. Avery DuVernay, yes, obviously. Um, it's called Selma. And they walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Ironically, Edmund Pettus was a confederate in the Ku Klux Klan. That still hasn't been renamed. But, um, so I don't know if you know, but there were actually three attempts to march across that bridge. So there was the first attempt known as Bloody Sunday, led by John Lewis, where there was such 
brute force. He was beat within an inch of his life. Many people were. Then there was a second time they brought in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and they said, we're going to do this again. They all get together. They start marching. They make it a few blocks. And all the clergy, right, this, this march was led by pastors, priests, clergy people. They stopped and he prayed. And he prayed and he said, God, tell me what to do. And he said that God said, turn around. And they turned around. And it turns out there were hundreds of police that were waiting to meet them just on the other side. So it was like March 5th, March 21st, they tried a third time. And they successfully watched, walked from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, the Voting Rights Act was passed, and the rest is history. It's amazing, but that was led with prayer through priests and clergy. When we think about the church, I don't want us to think about Hillsong. No shade to Hillsong. Well, but... Um, I had to. But I want us to think about the people who put everything on the line because they believed in the dignity of every human being. That is the legacy of church. It's not lasers and lights and fog machines. I love lasers and lights. I love a good vibe. I love a good energy. But that is not the legacy of the church, my friends. Martin Luther King Jr., a reverend, um, one of the greatest leaders that this country has ever seen, why he was in Memphis, Tennessee, the day that he was assassinated is because he was there marching for the sanitation workers. Meaning one of the greatest leaders that our country, that our world has ever seen, died fighting for the dignity of the sanitation workers of Memphis, Tennessee. Because if you believe in the dignity of every human being, you believe in the dignity of every human being, period. And that has a lot to teach us today. Those are the leaders that is the legacy. They believed that there was a future. And have you ever sang, has anyone ever sang a song so deeply with their chest, but it's completely aspirational? Like, everyone knows this. Everyone sang, like, boys to men love songs, and you have nobody to love. You know. <laughs> Singing, I'll make love to you by yourself. <laughs> yeah, so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Y'all have been there. But there's something to singing words that are something that we aspire to, a reality not yet seen. It's like, I believe this because I want it to be true. I believe that it can be true. I'm giving my life to make it so that it's true, but it's not true yet. I had an opportunity to go to Memphis. I sat in the church where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his last speech, and uh, a woman was there at the church the day we were there who was there that night. Um, and she said it was raining and the windows were clacking. She said, you know, the first thing we did when we all got together, we sang. Um, and imagine what that energy felt like to say, these things aren't true yet, but we're going to sing and we're going to hope that they become true. So we're going to do that right now. to Miss Nina Simone. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. 
And I wish I could say all the things that I could say. Say them loud, say them clear for the whole wide world to hear. I wish I could share all the love that's in my heart. Remove all the bars that keep us apart. And I wish you could know what it means to be me. Say it loud, say it clear for the whole wide world to hear. I wish I could give all I'm longing to give. I wish I could live like I'm longing to live. And I wish I could do all the things that I could do. Though I'm way overdue, I'll be starting anew. Come on, sing it, I wish. Like a bird in the sky, how sweet it would be if I found a fly and I soared to the sun and looked down at the sea. Then I sing, cause I know, yes, I sing, sing cause I know, yes, I sing, cause I know. Say them loud, say it clear for the whole wide world to hear. Sing, I wish. I wish I could get all I'm longing to get. I wish I could live like I'm longing to live. And I wish I could do all the things that I could do. Say it loud, say it clear, for the whole wide world to hear. And I wish I could say, like a bird in the sky, how sweet it would be if I found I could fly. I would soar to the sun and look down at the sea. And I sing, cause I know. Come on, sing it out. Yes, I'd sing, cause I know. I sing, and I sing, cause I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sing, cause I know. I'll sing, I'll sing, cause I know. I'll sing, cause I know. One more time. And I'll sing, cause I know that every man should be.
Amen. 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 Well, now that we're all hyped up, we're feeling good. Let's talk about the cost. <laughs> well, gotcha. Um, all of this, all of this, all of this, I think is something that we all believe. I said, who believes everyone should be free? Yes. Believing it and making it true are just two entirely different things. And what does it mean to make it true? Unfortunately, it means that at some point it's going to come at a cost, whatever the cost is. So we're going to start narrowing down here and start talking about what this means for us because these are all people that we aspire to, but they have a real consequence and a real meaning. How many of you have heard of a man named Medgar Evers? Okay, he was a civil rights leader. He was a... Um, I almost said NCAA. He was not a basketball player. NAACP, okay? Very similar letters. Uh, leader in Jackson, Mississippi, he coined the phrase, uh, you can kill a man, you can't kill an idea. Um, just an amazing leader and uh, was unfortunately assassinated like so many of the leaders, right? Because these people we're talking about, uh, they went through some things. Uh, his house in Jackson is now, uh, they kept it, you can go see it, and something that struck me, I was doing a tour there, is that uh, he had two kids, he, he had a wife and two kids, and uh, in their room, their beds were on the floor. I was like, why were their beds on the floor? He said, oh, because so many people would throw rocks and shoot into their house that they had to put their kids' beds on the floor. And I had to have a real come to Jesus moment with myself and ask myself, is there anything I believe in enough that I would be willing to put my kids' beds on the floor? And I don't even have kids, so it was a real hypothetical situation. <laughs> I really should have asked would I put my bed on the floor. That's probably, um, because that's the reality that things are going to cost. That freedom comes at a cost. That justice comes at a cost. That believing in this story comes at a cost. That Peter and John and thousands of people since them who are participating in the healing and the belief and the storytelling in this way of Jesus have paid a price for it. Because believing it's true and making it true are two different things. And so as I think about these leaders and I, and I imagine what it would be like to be there, I remember that I'm here now. I used to think all the time, what would I have done if I was alive during the civil rights movement? And what would I have done if I was a part of all these things? I'm a part of this. <laughs> and we have a lot of things going on. And in the things going on, I think to myself all the time, I, I, have, I have leaders. I have history. I have legacy. I have connection. I have stories to tell. I have songs to sing. I have things that can help me because it's going, I'm going to need help. And so, yes, we sing these songs, and we feel so good, and we remember these leaders, and we hold their legacy, but we have to remember there's a cost. Even in New Abbey, right? If I asked you all, celebrating queer identity and your queer friends or your own queer identity, did it cost you something? Probably. Believing in justice and marching for Black Lives Matter in 2020 and doing all the things, did it cost you something? Probably. And we have to keep going. Because we can't just be a community that comes together and sings songs about how good God is and how much God loves us and how good we are and how loved we are, which is all true. But if we don't take the freedom that we have found and give it to the people around us, then why do we have it? Yeah. 
So I want us to, in this next moment, there are so, bless you, there's so many people, couldn't just let it go. <laughs> um, there's so many people who I admire, so many people before me, the stories I read about in scripture, the stories I read about in history, the stories I read about in the civil rights movement, the stories I read about now. I think about what's uh, going on in St. Louis. I think about uh, the young man who was shot because he went to the wrong house. I think about the people who gathered, and what were they doing? They gathered and prayed for that young man's family. The church got together, and they did things. So when we're talking about the civil rights movement um, and the legacy of the church, there are still lots of churches in America, and I hope New Abbey's on that list of when things go down, the church shows up. Yes, thoughts and prayers and action is the legacy of the church, and how do we hold that in our hearts and in our hands? One of the most touching things to me is uh, there was a march in Birmingham. There was a march in Birmingham, Alabama, and it is said that it's one of the marches that really changed the trajectory of the civil rights movement. It got a lot of allies involved uh, because it was televised. And the reason that it got people involved because it was televised it was a children's march. Because the children and the youth of the church had watched their parents. They had gotten together all on their own, organized a march, got out there and marched. And they were met with violence. They were met with fire hoses. They were met with police dogs. So this is a beautiful story and message. What I'm saying, New Abbey, is that if we want to do our part, because there is a lot of things in front of us in this world right now, we have anti-trans bills going up left and right. We still have black kids getting shot, doing nothing. We have a climate, hopefully, right? We've got such a lack of gun control, it's out of control. We have things looking us right in the eye and asking us what we're going to do about it. The beauty of church is not just that we get to be reminded of who we are and who each other are. Yes, that's part of it. But we also have a legacy of action and community. Why church? Someone asked me this the other day. Why are you still a pastor? Why am I still a pastor? Why church? Why New Abbey? Because yes, I could believe this. I could believe this somewhere else. But why church is because church is the place where the change begins. Historically, church is a place where the leaders have been born who go on to do different things. Church is a place where we gather to remember not only are we good, but every single person has dignity, and that should call us to something. We can't just come in here and come out. That's not church. Church is so much more than that. And this is a reminder of that. The church started by people saying, I don't care what the powerful people say. I'm going to heal people anyways. And there's a beautiful legacy I think about this all the time. We have so many kids at New Abbey. You guys have so many kids. Um, <laughs> half of them are Corys. Um, and I think about what that means. And how do we do church not in the way that the powerful people we've seen do it, not in the ways that probably a lot of us experience. How do we take some notes from here and how do we do it differently, especially with our kids? Especially, we're going to have teenagers we're going to have a youth pastor? What if that was someone who wasn't weirdly obsessed with uh, your sex life, which is, like, so weird when you think about it? Like, I just had a 20-something-year-old man re regularly asking me questions. It was, that's another sermon. Um, but how do we have someone who's able to teach our kids the legacy 
of what church is. Someone that gets to say, you are good, you are amazing, you are holy, you are divine, and we have a world that needs you to share that with the people around them. Once you have it, how can we take it out? I say this all the time, I was talking to William the other day, I could cry thinking about it. Our babies, our kids, our little kids in New Abbey, they only know a world of school shootings. They only know that. That has only existed for their whole life. So when they get old enough, I hope we are a church and a community that says, not only is that wrong, not only is that bad, what are we going to do about it? I hope we cultivate leaders and activists that grow up to make change because the change starts in the church. The change starts with the most powerful belief in everyone's humanity and dignity. That comes from Jesus. That's why I'm still here in this church. That's why I believe in this church, New Abbey. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I love New Abbey. We're amazing. There's not a lot of queer-affirming churches in L.A. That's wild. And we're not that original. We're not trying to reinvent every wheel. We get to participate in a legacy of churches who have shown us how to contribute to social change, how to do the things that overwhelm us when we look around the world. Well, how do we start here? How do we say, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. Everything's so overwhelming. Well, then let's get together and let's figure something out. It starts in our little corner of the world, in our community. If you are here because you believe in the dignity of every person, if you believe that ordinary people have the power of resurrection and healing and transformation that was shown through the life of Jesus, then it has to turn to action. Believing it is cute, but we need to make it true. And that takes a whole level, different level of commitment. That's going to cost us. But if we're not doing that, then what are we doing? Literally, if we're not doing that, what are we doing? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the <laughs> really good at transitions. But um, yeah, thank you. As we sing this song, I want us to think about uh, our own legacies at New Abbey. What we want for this community. Um, what we want for ourselves, what we want for our kids, what we want for the future of the people who came before us, and how do we, how do we not only believe it's true, but make it true uh, together.
dark, but I see sparks if we don't snuff them out. We gotta let them claim, let them keep their name until we reach the stars. Are we afraid to see? We can't read if we don't feed them. There's no light if we just hide them. Don't just let them die. Let them shine. Let them shine. No. Let them shine. Let them shine. No. Let them shine. Let them shine. No. Let them shine. Let them shine. Sparks flicker in the distance, lonely out in space. Hey, they sing out, but we're not listening, cause we don't see their face. We can't let them die, we can make them cry. All the little miracles that live inside, let them shine. Let them shine. Let them shine. Oh, come on. Let them shine. Let them shine. Oh, come on. Let them shine. Let them shine. Oh, let them love. Let them shine. Here's, here's the ask, here's the why, here's, the, here's what I think <laughs> with the microphone. Um, I've asked myself a lot at different points in my life as a person who um, both loves Jesus and cares a lot about justice. At times, uh, if you listen to enough of the loudest voices, you wonder if those two things are at odds. Um, but when you find some of the quieter voices, some of the steadier voices, 
some of the voices with more longevity, you find that those two are inextricably tied. And if I had to guess right now, my sense would be that we all feel similarly. What do we do? Things do not look that great. We have many powerful people in our world who are telling us when and where and how uh, Jesus would, would act, how we can do healing, when we can, creating rules about who we can be and who we can't be and putting parameters on justice. And I think sometimes we think about our role in church or the church community or ourselves as people who follow Jesus, we think to that as secondary to our fight for justice or maybe our lives out here. And my hope for this place, my hope for New Abbey, why I am at New Abbey, why I love being a pastor in New Abbey, why I give to New Abbey, why, why I want to have my family at New Abbey, which is just my wife, no kids, <laughs> is because when I look throughout history and I look towards the future and I sit in the present, I think a community of people who believe in freedom, have found freedom for themselves, is our best shot at change, is the best hope we have. It will cost us. We have to not only believe things are true, but we have to act to make them true. And in doing that, we are not charting another path. We are following a path of so many people who did that before us. Some of their names we don't know, we will never know, and that's okay. I'm grateful for them. We don't have to be the loudest or the mightiest or the flashiest or the showiest, but if we truly believe in change, then we can bring healing to our corner of the world, and I think that's the best shot we have. We can be the place where it starts because it starts from our belief. And we turn that into action. That's my hope and belief in this place. If you were here last week, which a lot of you were, wow. Then you heard Corey say similar things. And one of my favorite things, you guys, Corey is literally my best friend. We couldn't be different kinds of people. We believe so many of the same things, and they show up because of who we are. They show up in different ways. What we both have is a belief that New Abbey is a fundamental part of how we heal. That having a church community of people who we get to disagree, and we get to um, push each other, and we get to find healing and find freedom, and we come here, and, and we are affirmed in a way we haven't been, and then we figure out what to do next, and we learn together. It's just a fundamental part of changing our corner of the world. We believe that with our whole hearts. And I believe that is so tied to so many of the leaders in history and the people who I obsess over and I, and I love so much and I look up to. So many of them said, it's actually my belief in Jesus that is causing me to be so radical. It's not that I've gotten so radical that I have to leave Jesus behind. It's the other way around. So we have an opportunity to do this. Guys, there is bad things in the world. And we have the opportunity to say, all right, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to be the place where it starts? How are we going to create that change? And I love that for us. I am warm. I am sweating like the Netflix tech team last week during the Love is Blind reunion. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you know, you know. It was not good. But listen, I look around. We need change. We need a lot of change. It can start here if we want it to. If we want to commit to this thing, if we want to do it together, we get to participate in it. And so I just ask that we do that. And we have some ideas, just to be completely transparent. And yeah, we, we got together and we're like, yes, we could start doing uh, things before and we'll do anti-racism training, queer identities, Enneagram stuff. We've got some ideas, but guess what? It's not going to be that kind of church where you show up and it's, here's the 18 ways that we're going to do this. Tell us, help us, shape us. Let's be in this. Let's figure it out. If you believe in the dignity of every human being and healing and transformation and freedom, let's figure it out. And we could do that together. And I'm excited about that. All right, so let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not me pretending church ends a different way, just sitting down. Um, you're going to grab the same three or four people around you, uh, and you're going to answer this question. How can you participate in the movement of today? Enjoy. Enjoy.